great. Outstanding. Thank you. Oh, praise the Lord. I love these kids. They're an inspiration to me. They really are. I have to get something else out of the way this morning. Um, About what we're entering into, uh, how many of you can absolutely, positively say this morning, unequivocally, you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Show of hands. So we're good. We're in a majority this morning. Praise the Lord. But I'm going to say we cannot enter into about what we are because, first of all, you just finished singing it. And the other one right there, the scripture tells me what? That thing is hung up there for at least the 55 years I've been coming here now. It seems like, no, it's 55, sorry, 46 years. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. If you don't believe that, we got a problem. Because about what I'm about to share with you is almost, in a way, meaningless. Because you're not going to be able to grab hold of it to press on, to carry on. You and I have known people, in fact, I have struggled quite a bit with those people who seem to walk around with a smile on their face, a perpetual smile on their face. I've known Christians, and I've even known some worldly people who got this smile pasted. You wonder how they do it, correct? For the Christians, I know how you do it. Because when you're saved, there's no reason for you to be down here. The reason we're going to talk a little bit about further, a little on, further on, is our eyes are going to be there, not here, there. So, having said that, I'd like to do this. Let's pray first. Our God, our Father, again, we have before us a portion that you've laid on my heart for quite a while. It's been fermenting in the depths of my soul basically almost over a year ago. When you gave me a time out to think about what you were doing in my life. And I thank you for it. But maybe this morning there is someone here that is hurting. Maybe they're struggling with where they are in life. Maybe struggling with family situations. Maybe they're struggling with a major illness or a family member that's got a major illness. Maybe they're struggling with a marriage that is shaky. Maybe it's a marriage that's not what it should be. Maybe even struggling with questions of faith this morning. Just maybe they're wondering where this all is and what part you play in our lives. And I pray for each and every one of them. I pray, Lord, that you not only would open up their hearts to your message, but mine as well. Please, Lord, I beg of you, pour your spirit out upon us. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. A little story, you knew you were going to get some history out of me this morning, didn't you? You had to know it was coming. This story is true. They had covered over 200 miles since the early part of June with a week-long stop in the northern part of one of the states. Now, over the last two days, they had pushed on 
with only a brief stop just south of the state line. Now they were pounding the miles off towards their date with destiny. All the time they had been marching, even over the last three weeks. And some of them found, them sa- found themselves saying, it's been three weeks. Man, each hour feels like a day. Each day feels like a week. Each week feels like a month. Sometimes it feels like it's been a year since they've been marching. The periodic firing, which at all times sounded like a distant thunderstorm, would rise and fall. During a brief stop before this, they'd heard firing that rose to a crashing crescendo, lasting most of the previous day, only to have it seem to fall away and then rise up again with an intensity that it could only mean one thing, one thing only. The battle they were expecting was here at hand, quite likely just over that next ridgeline, it seemed. The rain which had soaked them to the skin earlier had docked down the dust which had bathed them and also caused many to cough and gag. And yet, the message of one of the chaplains they had heard the previous Sunday still reverberated in their collective minds. It even sounded down into the depths of many of their souls. This one thing I do, I press on towards the mark, the upward call in Christ Jesus. Press on had become that watchword. On a night that had begun as a pitch black night, the rain was now gone. The moon had come out only to play peekaboo with them as the clouds scudded across the sky. Then the fog. Have you ever been in pea soup fog? Fog, fog so thick that you put your hand out and your arm goes right here and you wonder where your arm went? It was that kind of fog. It hung over the valleys that they marched through between road crests, which shot out all that shut everything down. In other words, just anything within sight and sound would just was gone. It was even muffling their collective footfalls and the jingling of the equipment. When one of the numbers would begin to stagger, they would be lifted up with an arm under the shoulder, whispered in their ear, press on, press on. When one of them would fall by the wayside, an officer, even one of the sergeants would reach down, pull the man to his feet, come on, press on, press on. Up at the head of the column, the colonel, Robert McAllister, was fighting the weariness as well, humming hymns to himself, quoting scripture, especially the 23rd Psalm. He would put one foot in front of the other. He too was reminded, press on, press on. Even through the the almost fatal mistake, of where they had almost marched into the enemy's rear, and they had to backtrack three miles to get back to the fork they supposed to take. What did they do? Pressed on. Pressed on. Finally, they came to their destination, and many as the dawn's early light fell asleep, where they stopped, many sleeping the last sleep here on earth. 
utter exhaustion caused many of them to literally just go down, go to sleep. Ponder that for a moment. You've all been in a point in your lives, I'm sure, I know I have several times, where you're literally at the end of yourself. You're so exhausted, so tired, so weary, you're even to the point where you're hurting physically, mentally, yeah, maybe even spiritually. You're at the end of yourself, literally at the end of yourself. What can you do? What should you do? I'm going to go to, go to Philippians chapter 3 here for a moment. If you'd like to open your Bibles. I will be in the Bible a little bit, guys. I, I promise you that. I, we will be there. Beginning with Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid behold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting these things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. I'd like to add, let's press on. We have had many who have gone before us. I sometimes refer to them and to the, some of the younger guys, the old guard. Those saints uh, that uh, there's very few in the room will probably even remember their names. I know Doug and Ruth do and Mark and even will remember these names. Remember these names. Naturally, Walter and Gladys Exus, John and Eunice Reed, Tom and Bob Sanders, Phil and Ann Carter, Bill and Connie Patterson, Ed and Jean Storr, Bob and Joan Hansen, Jack and Esther French, Helen Frowey, Franklin Carter, Led and Marge Perrin, Jeff and Sandy Perrin, Don Perrin, who a lot of you have never met, who the Lord used me, used, used him to bring me to Christ and all their trials. One of the things we would meet here Sunday after Sunday and even on Wednesday nights, one of the things we'd always talk and inter, we'd interact with each other and one sensed that, yes, they were just like you and me, but one thing they did they knew Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and in that, their upward focus was always on Him. That testimony of them who have gone before us 
is, a Lord's, is to the Lord's faithfulness. Now, believe it or not, you guys are among us. We've been creating even our own legacy. What we will leave behind for those of the next generation if the Lord should tarry. We have been on a journey, which has been, by the way, in the scriptural in Hebrews 11, of the saints who have lined the way before us, cheering on the faithful, encouraging the worry. Their lives truly a living testimony to God's sustaining grace. Yes, that's a song from Steve Green. I won't deny it. But it's one of my great songs. The song, Find Us Faithful. We've watched how the Lord has answered prayer with so many, almost too many times to mention those prayers. Even personally, how the Lord answered your prayers for me, not once, twice. I even think I'll say three times. The answers for even one among us, Phil and Allie, in their trials with Ethan. Through that, they, what did they do? Pressed on. As hard and as difficult it was, was. And Allie, you'll never know how much you encouraged me, how much you encouraged all of us with your testimony to us all. The simple act is pressed on. Pressed on. Another, if you don't mind, another kind of a quick history story. Because this is at the heart of a lot of it, what has happened in history. What we seem to do as Christians, we seem to take like the, uh, we, like, we like to really hold up Paul and Peter, you know, the, the great saints of the New Testament, and even some of the old ones. I, we all have those. We have the we have the Davids. That was he was one of my father-in-law's favorites. Daniel, um, Ezekiel, Moses, Noah. Uh, my favorite, by the way, is uh, Nehemiah. We'll talk sometime about that. What the whole point? We all have our heroes, but God, in His wonderful divine providence and in His grace, has taken people in history and literally dropped them in our laps sometimes to reinforce the fact that what the Bible teaches, what these Test, these saints went through, yeah, guess what? It's still alive today. It's still going on today. And God uses that, those chunks in history to remind us with these folks of what that this faith we work is not just something that's Bible, but it goes out through the Bible into other people's lives to remind us on a daily basis to press on. Press on. During my research, I, I, it's a little story real quick. Wow. Um, I, I did research on, you all know, Civil War units. And I kind of got hooked on one, Lee New Jersey, and then I got hooked on his colonel, Robert McAllister. And I found a fascinating part about it. It was during one of these real times where I kind of was questioning everything. God turned around and dropped this man, and when the more I read about him, it dawned on me, man was a Christian. Now, 
when we get to the point where I told you that story, he was 50 year old, 50 years old in 1863. He was about to be a grandfather. At a time, one historian says, when most men were sitting in their rocking chairs on their porches, this man picked up the sword and marched on. He, by the time he was 50, he had done so much. He had gone through two failed farms, a business that had almost collapsed in the 1850s, so much so that there were buildings and the businesses that were burned, yet he and his partner kept going through two failed churches that collapsed through division and strife. Yet, pressed on, kept going. The interesting thing is that even during this dark hour of war, he and his chaplain, just by example, led many to the Lord. In fact, it's noted in history, and it is true, two Christian revivals swept through the main Union army. Where did they begin? With him and his chaplain. Simply by meeting every morning, he and the chaplain met for prayer, for Bible study, and they would sing a hymn or two. At first, the men resisted. Even the officers kind of went, what's this guy, some Jesus freak or something like that? Eventually, they got the idea. It was a good idea to join him. And eventually, what happened is through that testimony, that whole regiment came to know Jesus Christ as its Lord and Savior. And not only did revival sweep once, but twice. And it began with this unit. And the interesting thing I find is my studies is the first revival began right before the Battle of Chancellorsville. Chancellorsville was one of these ugly, messy battles that killed a lot of guys. About 30,000. And then one more time right before Gettysburg. How many men do you think were now in heaven because of that testimony? The point I'm bringing to you is this. People are watching. Even I'm watching you. How are you living your lives even amidst this trial? Are you down in the dumps? Are you just struggling? What are you doing? Are you get ready to give a reason for the hope that is within you? Lately, I'll be honest with you, I've been really having this been ringing in my ears. Like you, I get frustrated at work. Like you, I get frustrated on the roads. Just ask her. Um, I get frustrated. And sometimes I get frustrated way too easy. But God seems, God has constantly reminded me lately that my testimony matters. How I deal with stresses matters. Pure and simple. So what is your testimony now, right now? And I'll be honest right now, um, yeah, I have to think about that even more so. What is your testimony? Again, what's my point? All these people, all this great cloud of witnesses pressed on through illness. And again, failed marriages, struggling businesses, wayward children, struggles of faith and life. But how, you might ask? Let's go back to the verses I read at the beginning. Verse, the first part, forgetting those things behind. The Apostle Paul is referring to his own sin. Remember, he was a murderer of those of the Christian faith. 
but he also forgot everything else that he had claimed. He claimed all that power. If you look at that roll, roll it rolls off his tongue what he was. He was the Hebrews of Hebrews, knowledge of the word, so on and so forth. He was literally, as one uh, theologian put it, um, a heartbeat from the, the chief high priest. He was willing to set that all aside. And where did it all change on a confrontation on, a, on the road to Damascus? And that changed everything. He laid aside those titles, the position he had had, and all that is nothing to him. What can we learn? When it comes to the things of life, what is important? Those things you remember, what Christ has done for us, our faith, our families, and yes, our friends in the household of faith. They are remembered every they are to be remembered above everything else. Or should they be remembered above? Well, I screwed that up. You get my essence, I think. Two, reaching for. As I just noted, the responsibilities, the privileges we have in Christ, grab hold of them. We are told to remember the Lord. Be ready to give the reason for the hope within us. <clears throat> we should be about our Father's business. We should hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he has promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. We should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the matter of some, but exhorting one another, not so much for the, the more as you see the day approaching. The upward call, or prize of the upward call, as Doug Hagen likes to say, and he says it quite a bit, finishing well, dear brother, finishing well. What does that mean? living a holy life before the Lord, first and foremost, but doing also what it might, what is right and holy and just. Taking care of family, taking care of those of like-minded faith, the poor, the widow, and the orphan. A perfect example are the kids of right here before us in Streetlight, who are now our own. We must take care of them and reaching out and sharing our faith. The upward call. So often, and Bev and I were talking a little bit about this at breakfast, our eyes get pulled down here. We get so caught up in the world, what's going on around us, and all the politics and everything else. You know, I've gotten to the point with politics, I just rather shove them aside because all they do is get me mad and angry. So we leave them alone. So where is my eyesight? My eyes should be. Our eyes should be fixed upward towards that day when we will face to face with him, the Lord Jesus Christ. It includes everything that the Christian life is and should be, including our salvation, conforming ourselves to Christ. The fact that we are joint heirs with him. Our home is not here, it's in heaven and all the other blessings that come with us. But Jim, I can hear you saying, what good am I, I to my family if I'm so heavenly focused? I like to say, 
It used to be that I'm so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Well, the only way you're going to be any earthly good is the fact that you are heavenly minded. Your focus is not there. It's there. It changes the very nature of how we live our lives. So, this morning, I'd like to ask you a question as we wrap up. Is there anything bothering you this morning? Is there anything that's really, really got you down? Is there anything that you're fighting with as a Christian? Press on. It may sound, it may sound kind of frivolous, but press on with the joy in your hearts, the fact that you are saved. We sing that, we used to sing a song called Save, Save, I'm Wonderfully Saved. We sing, we're washed in the blood of the Lamb. Do we believe it? Let's live it. I'd like to say one more thing. Straight like kids. I don't know what you're struggling with. I know you all come from different families, different trials, different situations. It's going to sound crazy. Get your eyes off of there and put them there. Look unto Jesus the author, and the finish of our faith. And when it gets, gets tough, press on. Would you like to know what happened to Robert McAllister, by the way? Show your hands. Would you like to know? Oh, I got a couple. Okay. What happens to the guy? At the end of the war, the United States Army begs him, pleads him, throws money, throws everything else at him, and to get him to stay in. He says... See ya, I'm out of here, and returns to normal life. Life of family. He's a grandfather by now. And he's faithfully involved with said his family, his church, and believers. And he's active in veterans associations where, when he speaks, he often brings into the saving gospel of Christ. He also never forgets those families of the men who gave their lives that this nation might live. He and Ellen, in fact, were asked to go and move everything later in life and move to eastern Pennsylvania from Belvedere to go run a home for the mentally ill. We know it as those who survived war. We know it now as PTSD. He seeks to care for all of them, all of this. So much so, he dies penniless. On February 28, 1891, he dies from kidney failure. The town of Belvedere literally shuts down for his funeral. The streets are lined from the church to the grave with the people, the, down, the town people of Belvedere. The trees are draped in crepe with American flags. There isn't a dry eye as his, as, he, as his remains pass. At the head of the column, by the way, and I'll close with this. At the head of the column, by the way, is one fellow by the name of William Sewell. William Sewell had commanded alongside of him another unit from New Jersey. Sewell was known to, he got the Medal of Honor at Chancellorsville, but he was also known of one to be the lover of drink. When it was quite clear that McAllister was going to pass away, Sewell, Sewell sent a telegram to his wife, Allen, and said, Allen, um, I owe a debt of gratitude to Robert. Would you please let me be a pallbearer for Robert 
saved my life. It's Sewell, who is one of the honorary pallbearers. McAllister's. McAllister had even an impact, such an impact, and at personal level. The town fathers literally have to go to Allen before he's buried, because they were he was supposed to be buried in a cemetery plot in eastern Pennsylvania. They begged her to allow him to be buried in Belvedere. He's buried in Belvedere along with Allen. Memorial Day of 1894, a monument which rivals any I have ever seen on any battlefield, is dedicated and sits now in front of his grave and his wife. And on it are the words, He hath fought the fight, he hath kept the faith. There's only three words missing. He pressed on. Let's close. Lord, I just pray again that I've touched each and every one of these people's lives that you've used me to be your instrument, that these words this morning, may our testimony be to all this world that we are pressing on through darkness. We are pressing on through a world that's just filled with sin and strife, that we are to be that shining light on the hill, that those who will see that we have been with Jesus, that we love Jesus, that we serve Jesus, that we serve a risen Savior, who walks and talks with us along life's narrow way. Please, O oh Lord, I beg of you as we go from this place. Thank you, Lord, for your words. Thank you, Lord. And now, truly, may we all press on. Amen.